Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, and welcome to our first post-game show of the 2020 season. Oh, by the way, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. My heart, it's not settling down right now as the Bears just pulled out a 17-point deficit comeback as they won by the final score, 27-23 to against the Detroit Lions. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are here to discuss a... 1-0 Chicago Bears team. First 1-0 Bears team since 2013. Nick, uh, how you feeling? I think I know the answer, but wow. Wow was the right way to describe this, Will, because for most of the game, let's be completely honest, I think everyone thought the Bears were going to lose to Detroit, keep that streak alive where they haven't won a Week 1 victory, but... Man, changing that fourth quarter. I'm still trying to process it. I'm glad we're ta- we're going to talk about this because that was crazy. That was absolutely nuts. I have a headache. I have a little bit of a neck ache. I <laughs> am feeling all the emotions that I think I possibly could after a single football game, Nick. And I'm excited to break it down and discuss it with you. And let's go ahead and jump into our first quarter of our show. And we're going to begin just with some of with our initial thoughts of the game. And like you said, Nick, this was a game where, geez, even at the end of the third quarter, I thought there's just no way the Bears would come back and they had no reason finding their way back into this game. Yet, Mitchell Trubisky, for all the struggles that he had throughout this entire game, once it came to the fourth quarter, I mean, a light bulb just switched. Things started clicking. The Bears started moving the ball. The defense came back to life. And I wish I would have saw that effort all four quarters, but... That was a miraculous effort to just kind of watch unfold here throughout that fourth quarter. Uh, I know the Lions had a lot of cornerbacks go down to injury, which probably did help the Bears down the stretch here. But still, for the Bears to find a way to hang in there when they just came out so flat at the half, the third quarter was just abysmal. And then just to flip it around like they did a complete 180, like I said, miraculous is the word, and that's the one that keeps coming back to me. That's just where my headspace is right now. How about you, man? Yeah, I mean, just initial thoughts about this game. We're all watching this to start off, and I'm wondering where's this Bears pass rush? Where are the the accurate pa- where are the accurate pass from Mitch Trubisky that they were talking about in camp, and that's why he was named the star. So all these questions were just circulating in my head, and you know, it persisted through three quarters, Will. And then in the fourth quarter, we start to see, you know, Bilal Nichols starting to get a pass rush. We start to see Mitch Mitchell Trubisky just complete 
passes in stride to his receivers. Absolute dime to Anthony Miller. That was one of the better passes that he's probably thrown in his Bears career. So it's like it all started to click. You're just wondering, though, and we'll talk about this, why did it have to be all the way until the fourth quarter to get this team going? Absolutely. Uh, Right after that Miller touchdown pass, by the way, uh, AJ, my son, uh, he was watching the game with me, and we got to the commercial, and I just heard him talking to himself. He's like, I think he just restarted his career right here. Let's go. And I'm like, maybe. I mean, that's maybe a straight long shot, but this is a great start, if so. And I just like how he's thinking. We should bring him on the show sometimes for some of those thoughts. But, yeah, Nick, uh, it was a game where the Bears seemed like they are just going to roll over and accept the loss until they did it. And I think that's the best way to summarize this game in a nutshell. But let's go ahead. And I'm excited to introduce our Miller Lite monster moment of the game. And, Nick, this is now brought to you by our sponsor, Miller Lite. And we'll talk a little bit more about our friends there here soon. But before we do... What's going to be your monster moment of the game? We are changing the monster moment of the game compared to years past, where usually this is my segment, the one moment that kind of made me feel like the Bears are getting back to becoming the monsters of the midway. But now we're looking at it as like the difference maker, the turning point, the most, well, the monster moment, the biggest moment of the game. I have a couple on my list. I'd be curious to see which way you go first, and then I'll kind of follow in uh, and supplement you. But are you going with the Miller or are you going to go with the Fuller pick? I feel like it has to be one of the two. Yeah, I think it does have to be one of the two. And I think when Kyle Fuller did make that interception, and it all starts with Eddie Jackson really dislodging the football, getting the ball in the air, and Fuller just capitalizing on it. That's where I realized, okay, there is a shot here. Like, had it not been, you know, uh, that ball, that intercepted happened, you just don't know if the Bears' offense can drive the field. What can happen there? They have to. Exa- There's just so many variables, right? So I think that really was the monster moment to propel the Bears to continue having success in that fourth quarter. So I have to go with the Kyle Fuller interception, but it easily could have been Anthony Miller's touchdown. So is that what you're going to go with, Will? Well. I said that, but then you mentioned a fuller pick, and I agree with you. That's, that's why it wasn't the number one in my notes because, you know, you mentioned Eddie Jackson helping dislodge that ball, pop it up. Well, Jalen Johnson, the rookie cornerback too, which we'll talk about his game, he was right there as well, and he was someone that was a part of that equation, and I want to make sure he gets some credit there too. But this happened right before the two-minute warning. If this is just an incompletion, you said it. The Bears have a long field, and I would have much less confidence in the Bears driving all the way down the field getting points, heck, getting a touchdown there to win the game. Maybe they settle for three. Maybe we're in overtime and we're not even doing a show right now. But the fact that we had that interception, we started in plus territory, which I think was the only time the Bears started in plus territory. They started at the Lions 37. So you're almost in that fringe field goal range as it is. Allows you to be a little bit more aggressive with your play calling. You dial it up to Anthony Miller, which again, that touchdown grab, that was sensational as well for Miller. Great dime by Mitchell. But if Fuller doesn't have the interception, I don't think you see it. So I think the biggest moment of the game comes to Kyle Fuller coming away with the interception and giving the Bears offense an opportunity to be a little bit aggressive and end up you know, putting the icing on the cake and taking the lead and never looking back. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wish we had maybe more moments to talk about in this game. But really, those are two of the biggest plays and why the Bears are able to win and just beat Detroit 27-23 to in Week 1. And like I said, end that drought that they had with Week 1, you know, just woes there. But, yeah, I think it definitely has to go Kyle Fuller. And we were waiting. All game, I was just waiting. Where is the turnover for this Bears defense? When is it going to happen? 
and it's usually going to be Kyle Fuller on the other end to make that happen. Absolutely. Heck, I had other moments here, Nick, and they weren't positive ones. I'm glad we didn't have to leverage some of those as well. But the fact that Kyle Fuller, congratulations on being you know, the recipient of our first monster moment of the season, the Miller Lite monster moment of the season. And obviously right now, just with all of the social distancing happening, celebrating this Chicago Bears win with friends over a beer, it may just look a little bit different than in the past. But as the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Miller Lite is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. They have a long-term partnership with the team, and they've been a staple in Soldier Field for just decades. And I have so many, many, many great memories with you, Nick. You know, toasting touchdowns with Miller Lights at the game, and some with my family as well. Just chanting, you know, "Dub Bears." And so here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer, because with this Bears victory, it's officially Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And I know, Nick, with you, those you watch your carbs, so definitely that's always a plus for you, right? Oh, absolutely, and it's a good-tasting beer, so you can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that whatsoever. But, Nick, before we enter the second quarter of our show, were there any stats that stood out to you and that was just kind of telling how the game played out? I know for a long time, and we'll probably hit on this a few times throughout the game, well, the post-game show here, the third down conversion woes was just such an issue. And luckily in the fourth quarter, it didn't come back to bite them too bad. Uh, they did have that one drive towards the top of the fourth, actually the middle of the fourth with uh, Trubisky's fumble and that third down. Um, but their lack of ability to execute on third down, I think they're at one point Oh, for their first seven, which is the first time they didn't convert a single third down on seven tries since like 2017. And then they started finding a way to get it done here in the fourth. But over to you first, do you have any other telling stats that were just indicative of how this game went on? Well, yeah, I think the big one for me is just 21. That's the number of points scored in that fourth quarter by the Bears. That was the first time they did it since December 4th, 2014. So my birthday a while, while back ago. So it's interesting that, I mean, that's what really put the Bears in position to win. And yeah, when I initially when I was thinking about this, Will, thinking that the Bears were going to lose, look, they were 2 of 11 on third down. So it was just a horrendous stat, just something that obviously needs to improve throughout the season. But those 21 points in the fourth quarter and how Mitch was able to kind of lead that offense down the field and capitalize on the Lions' mistakes, that is, I think, hopefully indicative of what we may see you know, maybe throughout the season, but maybe earlier in the game, right? Not just in the fourth quarter, but 21 points, incredible comeback by the Bears, and that's ultimately why they won this game. Oh, for sure. I believe for me, again, third down, we'll talk about those issues because they're apparent, they're real, and I still think despite a win, it's a big concern of mine and you too, Nick, but when you're looking at Mitch, I think he finished his game. I know at one point he was only completing like 40% of his passes, but he finished hitting 16 of his last 26 with three touchdowns there in the fourth quarter. So for him to learn from his mistakes, overcome his mistakes, and some of I think he had some of those jitters early on in this game, but when he had the, when it was all stacked up against him, I mean, odds were in our favor. I think one time just checking the stats on ESPN, the box score, like, they gave the Bears like a 5% chance to win this game. Like, it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen. But he got into like that zen-like state, like that alpha dog mentality, and he just took over. And for him to, again, he had some missed throws, and we'll talk about those. But to hit 16 of his final 26 
and have those three fourth quarter touchdown passes. Again, I think that is just shows that he can step up when needed. Now, of course, we need to see consistency, but this is a comeback win. Uh, the Bears were down by a ton, and he found a way to get it done. So for me, him doing that plus the drive prior to the one right before Miller, the other scoring drive, is a perfect five for five, 55 yards. Like he was coming in clutch in the game's final moments, final drives, and he made each and every play count. He was making plays with his legs, but just his ability to improve his completion percentage again, I think at the end of the first half, it was only 40%. It wasn't good, but he found a way in the fourth to flip it all around. And to me, uh, I'm proud of him for doing so. And that's why, to me, that's going to be one of my most telling stats. Outside of the third downs, we, heck, we can talk about you know the red zone woes as well early on, but they found a way to convert on 50% of those trips as well, which is another good comeback for them too on this offense. But is there any other stats that stand out to you here, Nick, before we move on to the second quarter? You know what? I think just how how hyped up these tight ends were, and there were a lot of targets for Jimmy Graham, no doubt. And we all know that rookie tight ends have, you know, it's going to take time for them to get acclimated to the NFL game. Seeing that Cole Komet only had one target all game is pretty surprising to me just because of, of what I thought this offense would be more run through Run, run through some capable tight ends and like I said Graham had his looks but Komet had that one where looked like there was miscommunication between Trubisky and Komet should he have kept running to that's where Trubisky was anticipating Komet being and obviously the pass goes incomplete but only one target for Cole Komet I'm sure that's obviously that's going to increase but I think that's going to be good for this offense if we see more looks for a guy like that and we know he has a lot of skill a lot of potential. We definitely need to see him get some more targets moving forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely there, Nick. Uh, if you're listening and you're wondering, hey, who the heck is going to be the MVB? Usually the guys would let me know by now. We did move that later in the show because we figured as we have a conversation, good points may arise, which may sway our decision instead of sneaking it up here uh, so early in the show. So stick around to find out who our MVB choice is. But let's move in to the second quarter of our first postgame show of 2020. Again, the Bears win this game they win 27 23 beat the lions move to 1-0 for the first time since 2013 and here in the second quarter we like to focus on the chicago bears offense nick there's a lot to get to it's the first time we got to see this offense this season usually we have a training camp usually we have some preseason to kind of see where things are what's a big takeaway for you uh, i would love to talk about the tight ends and how much they're using that three tight end set in the first half which really paved way uh, for the Bears, not just rushing the football, but did a good job of you know, helping set some extra protection for Mitchell Trubisky as well. And I thought seeing as many tight ends as we did early on in this game, I wasn't surprised by it because we just, we've heard so much buzz around that position group. But seeing three tight ends lined up a decent amount of the time early in this game was maybe something I wasn't expecting that much of. You know what, like that, I, I agree with you there, Will, uh, but then again, it was, they've been talking, Matt Nagy, this Bears organization, that they wanted to have an emphasis of running the football, so one of my takeaways was just looking, the team had 28 total carries, you know, against the Detroit Lions today, and David Montgomery, still battling that groin injury, had 13 of them. And- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received please hold robots don't know you we do at farm bureau financial services getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation 
Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. It looked good up the middle, whether it was Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Cordell Patterson at times running up the middle. That was definitely an improvement from last year. Yet, uh, obviously on that first drive, they couldn't get a third in short situation convert with the quarterback sneak. But there were times throughout this game where you saw the interior offensive line have pushed when they were run blocking. So I think that's obviously a plus. You want to see that. I think this offense needs to orient themselves about running the football effectively to you know, have really a chance this season. So when I was watching these big runs happen, not explosive, not huge runs, but just positive gains, it was re-encouraging, re-encouraging for me. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the Bears had 90 total yards on the ground at the end of the first half. Uh, now, they had to abandon the run here towards the end of this game just due to how the game shook out, and they had to find a way to crawl themselves back from a pretty big deficit. But when they were in this game, you know, I, Nick, we have to take a moment later to talk about how they ended the first half and started the third quarter because that was atrocious, and that was one that I thought was going to be the, pretty much the main focus of the show, and I'm glad it doesn't need to be. But with them, like you said, being able to come out of the gate, come off the bus running, it was exciting. They're averaging five yards to carry at halftime, 90 yards on the ground. Nick, there were games last year where we didn't get halfway to 90 through an entire 60 minutes. So to see that go up by halftime, and they were using Tariq Cohen right up the middle, which we were kind of skeptical of. But when the offensive line, that interior, getting that kind of push that they needed and that they were gaining, you can run Tariq Cohen. He wasn't getting touched for four or five yards down the field. There were some big holes early on. And I'm excited to see if they can build on that. I would expect them to, would you? Oh, absolutely. I think whenever you can have multiple guys that are capable of running up the middle like that, you definitely utilize it. I also really just liked how David Montgomery was running the football. Like we just mentioned, the groin injury, you still saw him fighting for those extra yards. That's exactly what he does. And just seeing him bounce off tacklers, spinning to gain extra yards. That's who David Montgomery is, and that's what we're going to see more of as the season goes on. So it was good to see that. And also just Cordell Patterson being physical and being explosive. What was that, on that fourth fourth down, I think, um, running over to the, to the edge to the left side over there. Mm-hmm. Um, just one, having the patience. I think we're seeing maybe a little bit of improvement as a runner for Cordell Patterson. We know he can do that in kickoffs and sometimes at receiver, but at a running back, it's a little different. So you have to set up your blocks. And Allen Robinson was blocking there, and he just goes around him, gets that first down. So I think we saw improvement from the whole entire backfield, and that's exactly what the Bears kind of wanted for this 2020 NFL season. Yeah, we needed it. We needed some sort of committee and. It was odd. It felt like the broadcast was like, oh, and here's Patterson in the backfield. Like they had no idea it was going to happen. But if you're paying any attention, listening to the show or just paying attention to Bears in general, you knew you were going to see it a handful of times today. It really wasn't surprising uh, in the least bit, but it was effective. Like you said, they got him the ball in space. And Nick, you and I, that's what we talked about in a running back preview show. Quit giving it to Patterson running up the gut. Find ways to make whether it's swing passes, whether it's tosses, pitches. Just give him the ball around the perimeter and turn it into that extension of almost like a kick return for him so he can use his speed, head north and south, or heck, on that fourth down, a little bit east and west to gain you know, just those few yards that the Bears needed to pick that one up. But, yeah, I was very impressed with the running game. The offensive line would be excited to see if they can improve on it executed a little bit more efficiently because there are some missed opportunities but you're going to say that every game Um, but overall was it 
for you, Nick, was it as expected, a little better than expected, or was it a little less than you expected from the Bears' ability to run the ball week one against Detroit? I would say it was improvement. From what we saw last year, it just there wasn't any consistency. There really wasn't much push. And look, like you said, there are times where they missed some of those plays. They missed those opportunities. But I would say overall, from a run-blocking standpoint from this offensive line and the running backs, there was improvement. And look, it's a Detroit Lions run defense, which was not very good last year. They should have had success, and they did. A total of 149 yards, 64 for David Montgomery. So I would say it's improvement, but there's obviously, like you said, Will, areas where they can improve. For sure. I mean, Montgomery averaged 4.9 yards per pop. Cohen averaged about 6. And then Patterson was actually the least of the three at 4.8, uh, which is, again, right below Montgomery. But still, it was it was the least. Four carries for the 19 yards. And then Mitchell towards the end, using his legs, I uh, was able to pick up another 26 on the ground. But even if you take away Mitch, they still finished with 123 yards rushing and a really strong average. And they had each running back or each person who carried the ball today had one that went for at least 10 yards or more. And I think that's indicative of what the offensive line was able to do. The tight ends as well. I thought the tight end looked very improved, helping establish a run compared to the group that we saw a year ago too, because a lot of the focus has been on that Bears offensive line and their struggles. But the tight ends didn't help last year either. But today they did. They were out there. They are leading the charge. I thought Cole Komet had some key blocks as well. I know we were a little disappointed with his output as a receiver uh, with just the one target. Didn't have a catch, but as a blocker, I thought you saw some decent signs from him, and I expect his role, of course, to only grow from here. He can't really get much less um, as a receiver in this passing game. Anything else on the Bears' rushing attack, or do you want to move on to some other talking points here? Yeah, let's move on to some other talking points. But before I do, I said I do this at the beginning of the show, completely forgot. Shout out to my grandpa who turns 90 today. Happy birthday, Papa Chris. I forgot to mention that at the beginning, but before we move on, I had to get that out there. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, Would it be Oblato? Yes, yeah. Yep. Mm. There you go, Will. Look at that. Spanish. (laughs) I was going to say, see, I almost said we because I took French in high school, (laughs) and I was like, wait a minute. Now I'm getting all turned around here. The adrenaline, Nick, it's still coursing through my veins right now after this victory. Uh, So... Looking elsewhere at the offense, uh, we talked about Mitch a little bit. I know he came back. Where's your headspace on him, though? Because for as great as the fourth quarter was, it was still very – I mean, there was points where I was, like, throwing foals. Like, I'm over it. Let's just move on and put in Nick, not you, the other one, and find out uh, what we have there because I was I was about to throw in the towel, and now it feels a little rash in retrospect. But I'm sure a lot of Bears fans listening were in a similar boat. Well, I had tweets set up to where, like, all right, let's just let's see what Nick can do. Let's see if he can salvage this game. But every single time, Mitch made that throw in that fourth quarter, wh- whatever it may have been. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put it away, put it away. So I never got it out there, but obviously I'm expressing it here. But there were just so many plays that you're just scratching your head saying, like, well, no, actually that is what Mitchell Trubisky's done in the past. You can't run backwards, lose the football, fumble, and oh, hope yeah. that Charles Leno – lands on it you can't throw behind Ted Gidd Jr. on a third down play and not even give him a chance to get the football so you can't do those things and those are all the same mistakes that we've seen from Mitchell Trubisky throughout his Bears career so we saw all the bad and then he kind of I wouldn't say he he doesn't wipe it all away with this fourth quarter the Bears still win but there's still problems at the quarterback position clearly and he just needs to get better on the deep ball and things of that nature so it was up and down, really was up and down for Mitch Trubisky, and 
I don't know if like after this game, you're Matt Nagy saying, okay, I feel good about where I'm at with my quarterback position. You probably have more questions than I would think, but I'm sure it's obviously encouraging seeing how we handled the fourth quarter. No doubt about that. But yeah, three quarters, you're just wondering when is Nick Foles going to get his chance? Well, another thing we have to think through here, Nick, and I mean, we just watched two games now. I'm sure you watched a little bit of that Kansas City game as well, and he wasn't the only quarterback that struggled here in week one. There aren't any preseason games, so there's going to be some level of rust, some level of just having to, you know, get back into that game groove. You have to expect some of that played into a factor, but when you're hoping to see Mitch progress, and for the first three quarters of the game, he looked like, you know, same old Mitch, I can understand why we were having those feelings, but I would hope that maybe this fourth quarter, and the key word there is maybe, could be a stepping stone, kind of like what my kid said. Maybe this is where he's restarting his career. Maybe this is the moment that he can really build some of that confidence that we've heard that he's already grown on some this offseason and just build on it. That's the hope. I, I would not hope anything other than that. Now, is it realistic? I don't know. And we have to take this week by week, game by game. But perhaps that is part of it. And again, I know lines had injuries on defense that were key. But I thought Mitch made some really good plays down the stretch. And at the end of the day, he won us this game. Like the defense stepped up, but without Mitch, I don't think he won this game. He has some key plays with his legs, some really key throws. And for me, as much as I was so harsh on him earlier, I'm very glad he was starting today. And I'm glad he was our quarterback. And I was excited to see uh, everything he was able to. And just accomplish. And again, that one throw to Miller at the end, just it keeps like replaying in my mind over and over. Because you said it, he needs to be more consistent with his downfield passing. And it took us a while to even push that ball vertically. And I don't know if that was by design, if that was him being a little bit too reserved. But yeah, I just hope it can all kind of come together. And I saw we saw some good things from some of the Bears' wideouts today. Anthony Miller took him a while to get going, but of course he came in really clutch in the fourth. Darnell Mooney, Nick, did you expect that much from him today with three catches, about 40 yards? And he caught all three of his targets, so he was very consistent uh, with the balls that were thrown his way. No, yeah, I wasn't expecting him to make that much of an impact. Obviously, this 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 soon in his rookie season, and it's good to see that he's implemented there because he's got some he's got some juice there, Will. There's just something where there's an extra gear with Darnell Mooney. We didn't get to see him go deep, essentially, but... When he got the ball, it's like he wants to create, you know, yards after the catch. And if mm-hmm. you give that guy an opportunity, watch out. Like, he's got an extra gear that I don't think – look, maybe Ginn Jr. and Patterson, they're probably in that level. But with Mooney being so young and, you know, just being into the NFL for the first time, right, I think he's just waiting to make some big plays happen. Yeah, I loved how, like you said, he he can make guys miss. He's shiftier, and we heard that. Hey, he's not just a speed guy. He's not just a flyer. With the ball in his hands, he could be dangerous. And You saw a few of those jukes. You saw him maneuvering around defenders. And, again, only three touches for him today, but they were impactful. They were big ones. Out looking at Riley Ridley, I know Javon Williams had that touchdown catch. I think that was more of a play call design than Javon being you know a great receiver or anything like that. Not taking anything away from him, but – I expect Mooney to really be that third guy. It should be Robinson, Miller, and it looks like at least, I know it's only one week, but they want Darnell Mooney to be that third receiver in this offense, maybe a little bit more than Ted Ginn Jr., um, definitely more than Javon Wims, and we didn't even see Riley Ridley suit up today. So that's where my headspace is when it comes to Mooney. Anyone else, uh, receiver? I know Alvin Robinson had a pretty big stat line today. Uh, He did have a couple of balls that hit him in the hands that I thought maybe he could have corralled, but 
there were some other ones that the ball placement wasn't there that I thought his job was a little bit tougher than it needed to be. But Allen Robinson, five catches, 74 yards, about 15 yards per reception. Another solid day for a guy that's still waiting for a contract. Yeah, still waiting for a contract. And I will have to go back and watch the tape, but it almost seems like on you know, every other play, Allen Robinson is being held at the line of scrimmage. And there should be a lot of pass interference calls or just holding calls that just weren't. They just weren't, for some reason, called by this, this refing um, team there. But, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, missed calls on Allen Robinson. But, yeah, the one that was almost intercepted for Mitchell Trubisky, I think it was the second quarter, that's a ball that Allen Robinson, he, he can make that catch. I know it because we saw the catch that he made later in the game where he's diving and just makes a hell of a catch. Yeah. But then the one where, look, should Trubisky be throwing that ball in the middle of the field with a bunch of defenders in the first place? I don't know, but it does hit. Looks like it hits uh, Allen Robinson's hands there, and then the ball get, goes up in the air, and I, the safety just drops it. So, yeah, it's it's one of those days where I think Allen Robinson still, he deserves a contract. No way, doubt, shape, or form. Um, that can't be disputed. But, yeah, that's a ball that I expect him to catch. But still, he's Allen Robinson. He's going to make a lot more play, a lot more good plays than bad ones. And, yeah, I think we'll we'll see him go off here soon. I mean, he had five receptions for 74 yards. He, But we know he's a lot. He's capable of way more than that. Do you think early on that Mitch had a little bit too much tunnel vision when it came to A-Rob? Like, he was nervous the ga- first game of the year and – he just kind of went with the tried and true number 12 because it looked like he was locking in on him, whether it's throwing to him maybe too much or just staring him down on almost every single time he dropped back. At least that's what I can recall. Again, that was a few hours ago, but don't have that in my notes. But just from memory, that's what it felt like. Well, yeah, there was the one play, the really great catch from Allen Robinson. You go back, and I'll put it up on the All-22 when it's up there. Jimmy Graham is wide open. There is nobody within 10, 15 yards of him on a crossing route. And that's, look, Allen Robinson makes a hell of a catch. The Bears get a first down. But Jimmy Graham is open. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky looked comfortable throwing to him. So is it just comfortability with with 12 knowing that wherever I throw this ball, he has a chance to catch it? I don't know. Maybe. But I just think that Mitch, maybe when we go back and watch the tape, we, we could see if he surveyed the field a little bit better in this one. But that's one where... I think any quarterback looks, Jimmy Graham's wide open, give it to your guy. It's at least a first down, and he's got yards after the catch potential after that. So, yeah, it's I wouldn't say it's good or bad to have a guy like, you know, an Allen Robinson because you know you could throw it to him at any point, but you just got to be able to watch and look at the entire field before making, you know, a, a questionable throw there. I mean, there were a few of those. There was one, two to Darnell Mooney. Uh, it was a second down. I think it was like right before the half. It's the whole segment that we're going to have to talk about. And instead of taking that easy first down, he tries to push it a little bit more downfield. There was a little bit of pressure in his face for Mitch. Um, but instead of hitting that easy... It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami. Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in Central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Easy crossing route. He tries to just go a little too vertical, threw it in between like four different lions and just wasn't really the play that you want there. But instead, if you would have hit Mooney, it would have had an easy catch and run at least for a first. Perhaps he gets out of bounds. He calls timeout, 
you reset, and then you can recalibrate and move downfield again. Put the Bears in a bad spot, ended up having a punt. We all know what came out after there, and we'll talk about that when it's dedicated. But I want to talk about Jimmy Graham first because, Nick, he was my predicted MVP guy. I thought he was going to have a pretty big game. And, you know, three catches, 25 yards. He had the touchdown. I thought he had, what, almost three potential touchdowns today? He had the one that he actually caught, then the one that uh, he was like a yard short, and then the other one, too, where um, I feel like there was one more, wasn't there? Not unless I'm forgetting Am about I stretching? it. Am I stretching here because I like He was it targeted so a lot in the red zone, though. That's the thing. So, like, you were predicting all, you know, going into this season. So, it may have been. Maybe I'm just – it's escaping Oh, no, me. yeah. He caught one. He dropped that one in the end zone, and then he was that yard short on the other. There you that's go. Three. That's a three. Yep, that's, that's three. That's three. I can do math somewhat on a post-game show, kind of. But, yeah, I thought for a debut, again, numbers don't pop out at you on the box score, but – and I know he had the other drop too when he jumped up and he, like, he missed time to jump early in the game as well. But I expect his role to only grow, and I think he's going to be someone that Mitch is going to start leaning on here throughout this season. I even, you even saw him at the, like, the end of the game like on the sideline, like, hey, I got you. Like He's like telling Mitch, like, I got you. Like We got this. And I think they're starting to build some of that chemistry. We heard it in training camp as well, but I thought we saw it come out a little bit today. What was your impressions of Jimmy Graham's debut? Yeah, obviously encouraging when you see him get into the end zone there. He didn't do that very often in Green Bay, and we know that he's done that, you know, just throughout his NFL career. So it's encouraging that, look, again, the Bears take advantage of a Lions defense and get a touchdown from their tight end. That's the You know, the tight ends only had two touchdowns all of last season. They came against the Lions in both games they played. So it's good to see that at least they're targeting Jimmy Graham he is going to be a red zone target they want to get him the ball in that area of the field because of his big body like similar to what TJ Hawkinson did to the Bears you know defenders boxing people out Jimmy Graham is more than capable of doing that with that basketball background but so far so good I like what I see and I know that there were yards left out there for him because of the play I was just highlighting earlier so I know he's going to be Definitely not. I wouldn't say like here he's a focal point. He's going to be the main guy in this offense, but he's going to be in the mix to put up some good numbers and just be a guy that Cole Komet can look up to like he always has been. But yeah, he's going to be definitely someone that Mitch Trubisky is going to feel comfortable with. And we already saw that in week one. You talked about Demetrius Harris. You mentioned him in the preview show saying, hey, he can be a receiver as well. Uh, he was targeted in the end zone. He wasn't able to come down with it. Slight overthrow. Also thought maybe he could have made a little bit of a stronger effort on that football. Uh, but just wanted to mention, you said, hey, watch out. He can get a look or two. He got one. Uh, didn't capitalize on it, but it is a wrinkle uh, to keep in mind because he does kind of get lost in the shuffle because he's primarily being brought in as an extra blocker. Uh, and I thought the Bears did a good job dialing up a play for him. And it was open. It was there. They just couldn't execute on it. Uh, outside of that, Nick, if I would have told you on Thursday that Tariq Cohen would have averaged or had about, what, five, six times as many yards on the ground as he would through the air – would you believe me? I would have said you were crazy, Will, to be completely honest. Just knowing that the the matchup there with Jared Davis at linebacker, it seems like it would cater to Tariq Cohen being more of a receiving running back than an actual running back running back. So, again, it goes back to what Matt Nagy and the Bears were actually saying. So sometimes you hear them say things in their press conferences. You're like, all right, this is coach speak. Okay, they're just talking. But they did mention and echoed they wanted to emphasize running the football, and that is including Tariq Cohen. So it's good to see him in that category because there's a lot of games 
where the yards per carry were not in his favor. Many, many, any of the Bears running backs, for that matter. So it was nice to see that. And, you know, he can obviously do some damage in the receiving part of his game, but it was good to see him do it on the ground. Any other individuals you wanted to highlight or discuss? You know, I think with this offense, like, it only started, like, heating up in that fourth quarter. So for the most of the game, nothing was going well. I will say that, again, we did touch on this. The interior of the offensive line, run blocking, I think did a lot. They did better than they did last season. Pass blocking, I, there's still a lot to improve on. I think, I mean, obviously we really haven't touched on that yet, but I thought the Lions defensive front got some good pressure on Mitch, and I wasn't really maybe expecting that to be too much of the case in this game just given that the Lions don't have that many guys but it seemed like the tackles at times were just having they had their hands full I would say yeah they did like you we didn't really expect that uh just because the Lions had a real tough time getting after quarterbacks last year your buddy uh James Daniels seemed like there's a few plays that I I remember where you know he gets into his pass blocking set and he's just walking straight backwards and I'm like most other, like White Hair, Fetty, they're holding their own at the point of attack. But Daniels, he was having a hard time with that bull rush up front from the Lions. And I know he's kind of re-transformed his body. He's stronger. Didn't really see too much of that today. And hopefully it's just a situational thing today and he can clean that up. But I don't know if you saw that too. But I'm not jabbing at you because we have another Iowa Hawkeye. When we talk about the Bears' defense, I'm going to really harp you on for saying you wish he had a good game. We'll get there soon. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with that. Uh, yeah, I have to go back and watch the film on that just to see, like, because there were re- honestly there were good plays up the middle where they were run blocking. But yeah, the pass blocking, I think there's going to be plays when we look back at it where you can point at guys like, yeah, you're you're just being moved back and it's just a revolving door or Leno, you're laid off the you know off the line of scrimmage, things of that nature. So yeah, it was a very up and down day in terms of pass blocking for this Bears offensive line. No, absolutely. No doubt about it. Nick, I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room, and that's going to be how the Bears kind of squandered uh, this game, really, until they found a way to crawl themselves back in it. But we're sitting here. It's nearing the end of the first half. It's a 6-6 to football game, and the Lions, they can't do anything. They go three and out, punt it to the Bears. Bears end up, Tariq Cohen, I think, calls a fair catch, which we'll get to special teams later on. And the Bears are deep, and I mean really deep in their own territory. So what do they do? Well, they attempt to, I think, what, the very first play, they uh, they throw it to Cohen. He runs out of bounds. So you're sitting there at, like, second and seven. Uh, you're still at your only 14 incomplete pass. You try again, another incomplete pass. So you only kill about 10 seconds off the clock. You punt it. There's that penalty on Cole Komet. Lions end up starting in plus territory. Defense doesn't know what's hit them. Gives up a touchdown. Half end. Only down by a score, though. Defense comes back out and allows two scoring drives and yeah two more scoring drives in a row where the Bears offense was just struggling as well how do you feel about that I mean obviously I, you like some aggressiveness if you wanted to call timeout take an extra possession before half because you know Detroit will be starting the third quarter with the ball but just with how the offense wasn't really able to sustain long drives I'm surprised they attempted it and then with Cohen going out of bounds you saved us some time which is great but it just didn't work out in the Bears' favor whatsoever, and it really was a turning point of this game, just that botched possession. Yeah, I mean, what, there was one minute and five seconds remaining in the first half, and Matt Nagy decides we're going to keep the whole playbook open. Let's go past Happy and try to go down the field with a minute and five seconds. I think they were on their own 11 or 14-yard line. They were 
backed up in their own territory, right? So I just didn't get the the mindset there for Matt Nagy. Your offense hadn't established really much of anything up until that point, but yet they go three straight passes, and you know that you've actually had success in the run game. Don't call any of those to at least make Detroit waste their timeout. I just don't see what Matt Nagy was thinking. What would be the positive here? We're going to somehow go and score in the Detroit Lions in a minute and five seconds drive the length of the entire football field and get some points and go up at halftime? You should be content that it's only a 6-6 ball game at that point and just kind of let make Detroit waste those timeouts. I just don't, given how the offense was playing, I just don't see why three straight passes was a good idea in any way, shape, or form. But that, that was just a questionable play call by Matt Nagy, something that he still needs to continue to improve upon. I mean, to some degree, I get it. The Bears, before that point, they had dri- the drive right before they went to 67 yards. The drive before that, 42. Prior was 58. And then another one was 41. So they were moving the ball. The problem was, Nick, it was taking them three to four minutes to go that far. And when you only have about a minute left and you're trying to go past happy, Mitch was really struggling at that point, trying to get into a groove. Really what Mitch was doing well was after the running game was setting him up for some play action, they are doing some good max protection and only giving him a couple of options in the passing game. But here, like you said, they opened it completely up. I think they just got a little bit, not too cute, but just maybe a little bit overly complex there when they didn't need to be. And then the defense, which we'll talk about here in the next quarter of the show, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain there either, and things felt really flat. Like the you know the, the heart line just went straight flat and it was that way for the next felt like at least an hour and a half of real time. I don't know about you, but it was grueling uh, watching them squander away the half, go down by a touchdown, knowing Detroit's coming back out there, and then watch Detroit start that second half going 72 yards for yet another score. It was a very taxing just an hour and a half as a Bears fan. I honestly wanted it to be over at that point. Like it was just, it was just a game where you can time is going and you're just kind of wondering when that fourth quarter is going to finally end and see that the bears are going to be on the losing end of this just because of how it was going. But yeah, I completely get you. Like, well, it's that's bears football though. We, we should be, you know, used to this, but every time it happens, it's like, God, there it goes again. Yeah. I mean, that's really about it. Any final thoughts or any final things you want to make sure we talk about in this offense? I felt like, we hit on a lot. We knew it's like, you know, rushing game was the big positive early. They had to abandon it. Had a hard time finding any rhythm through the air until really when it mattered most in the fourth. And I know they had that one really tough drive in the fourth where Mitch ran backwards and he fumbled, but they found a way to overcome it. And that's that's a sign of a, a resilient football team. And there were some issues on defense, and we're going to talk about those too. And I think there's uh, some cause for concern here too with that side of the ball. But anything else on offense, Nick, before we move on? You know what, I think with this one, you look at what they did in the fourth quarter, see if they can capitalize that and put that, implement just that game plan, that philosophy, that scoring drive in every quarter because it, there's just not enough of that throughout the Bears' offense. If they can do what they did in the fourth quarter throughout a game, you're going to see some points actually scored. But, yeah, there's still a lot of things that need to be fixed up for this Bears' offense. All right, well, before we move on to that third quarter, Nick, we have to do a couple of quick things real quick. We need to revisit uh, some of our backbreakers, some of our game planning stuff as well. And I had a game plan for the Bears offense. You took it one for the defense. So for me, Nick, on our preview show, I said the Bears need to find a way to execute on third down without much of a problem against this defense. Uh, as we said, 2 of 11, 
that did not come to fruition. Luckily, it didn't hinder the Bears, uh, at least in terms of the final score. It definitely held back this offense. It took points off of the board, and they just had a hard time executing a third down, which is a big issue. 2 of 11 is uh, it's going to be one of the worst that you're going to see in the NFL uh, this week. And it's one of those where I'm glad it didn't impact the final score, but I think the Bears more overcome uh, something they did poorly than it not being an issue because it definitely was one as well. And then other than that, I had a backbreaker matchup in this side of the ball where uh, I said the Bears need to find a way to make sure that Trey Flowers uh, and uh, Jamie uh, was his name Collins didn't find a way to impact this game too much. Well, I'm happy that Jamie Collins took himself out of the game, right, with that little headbutt to the ref, right? At least he took himself out of here for us. We didn't have to worry about taking him out of the game plan ourselves. Yeah, that's just that's Detroit. Detroit will be Detroit and just do stupid things throughout a game and make yourself lose. You take out one of your better defenders and come on. I know he was trying to demonstrate what I think David Montgomery had did to him with lowering the helmet, but you don't do that to an official. Like that should just be common sense and it just makes perfect sense that a Detroit Lions football player would do that to an official. Yeah. You can't touch him. You can't do it. And then Trey Flowers, he did finish with Detroit's only sack of the game, Uh, did have a third of their tackles for a loss and a quarterback hit. So he was someone who I did highlight as a potential threat to get after Trubisky, and it did end up happening. But, of course, it was one of those where still it was near the end. That was more of Mitch buying too much time and going a little bit too much east and west in the pocket. And that's something that – that if my seventh grade quarterback did something like that in a game, I would be ballistic. And the fact to see a professional quarterback now in his fourth year do that, it's uh, it's a little alarming to say the least. But, Nick, we just have one more thing to do, then we're going to enter our third quarter of the show. You're going to tell our listeners a little bit about our new friends over at Manscaped. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't matter who you are or how steady of a hand you have. We've all had that one too close trimming encounter when trying to maintain the family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. I'm telling you about the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 because I care about you and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com and your balls will thank you. They sure will, Nick. They sure will. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Honestly, I got my uh, special package in the mail yesterday, and it's pretty incredible packaging. I don't know why I keep throwing the word package in there. I guess it's fitting, though. Yeah, no, it is fitting. I was jealous to see that yours got there first when you posted on Twitter. I'm like, oh, man, Will got his pack. I immediately went to the door, and, you know, obviously <laughs> I think mine is supposed to be there on Monday. But, yeah, it's very impressive. 
It really is. You get a newspaper that gives you all the instructions. It has a crossword in it, which is pretty comical. <laughs> uh, they give you some uh, inspirational designs for uh, your trimming preferences, and it's really neat. So definitely check it out. Again, help us out. This is someone who, uh, Manscaped, they're giving us a trial run this month. They said if we can get 10 Bears fans to jump on, use our code, they'd be looking at perhaps a longer-term deal with us. We like to be open and transparent with you, so if you can help us out, uh, this is a great way to do so. And like you said, not just helping us, but you should be uh, protecting, like we said, what, the family jewels? Was that the term we went for, Nick? That's the term we went for, the family jewels. And you, I mean, that's the most important thing to protect right there. So definitely help yourself out. TCA is the code for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and jump into our third quarter of the show, and let's talk about this Bears defense. And what the heck happened? That's not the defense we expect, especially against a Lions offense that they're playing Adrian Peterson, who should be walking with a cane, but instead he's out there running like it's 2007 all over again, and no Kenny Galladay. Yet the Bears made this so much more difficult than it needed to be. There are uh, some definitely issues that we need to talk about, but are you as concerned as I am? Because I am – as concerned as we are about some of this offense and growing, going through some growing pains, I'm hoping this isn't some regression. And I, I'll admit, I, I miss Eddie Goldman as much as I had that confidence in our preview show. Boy, uh, he, his presence was surely felt in this game. Yeah, I mean, just seeing Adrian Peterson, like you said, should be you know walking with the cane. 14 carries, 93 yards. That's a Peterson of old just gashing the Bears defense for big runs up the middle and you know, just lowering the shoulder, things of that nature. But, yeah, without Eddie Goldman, there there were times where this defense was exploited and all game will, the entire game, even up until the fourth quarter, I just kept on tweeting, where is the Bears' pass rush? I know Robert Quinn isn't playing. I understand that. But where is it? Where's Khalil Mack? Where, is, where are these blitzes from Roquan Smith, Dan Trevathan to even – get Matthew Stafford uncomfortable it just wasn't there for the majority of the game right at the very end there you saw Bilal Nichols really forcing some um, pressure on on Matthew Stafford but there just wasn't enough pressure and I tweeted out if this Bears defense isn't elite can't apply pressure to the quarterback this team won't be competitive it's that simple that defense needs to be far and improved better than the offense for the Bears to be competitive it does and where's Khalil Mack I'm, obviously, last year we heard he was dealing with a, a nagging injury that's supposed to be healthy, and I know he was on the injury report this week too, but he should have been a bigger force in this game. We had a backup playing at right tackle. We had a rookie playing at right guard, and you know I made a pretty killer meme over the weekend about what the Bears needed to do on defense. And Nick, I know Akeem Hicks, he got a sack. He got the only Bears sack so far this season. Uh, at that point of the game, though, it felt a little mute, like it didn't even matter. And I'm glad it ended up being you know, a bigger play in this game that held the Lions back from that drive, and that's all fine and dandy. But consistently, the pass rush was pretty much missing in action. And we saw this in good chunks last year without Akeem Hicks, but Akeem's out there. He should be 100%. We should be seeing this pass rush really much just impacting and disrupting games. And, again, they don't need to being, you know, putting distress on quarterbacks every single down or anything like that but when it's third and long and it's an obvious passing situation Stafford shouldn't have all day to throw that football no I completely agree like I was telling my girlfriend leading up to this week and she got an Akeem Hicks jersey like it's Akeem Hicks versus Joda Jackson you go back watch the preview I said that about six times saying that this is a perfect and ideal matchup for Akeem Hicks to come back hungry ready and just wreak havoc 
We didn't see that. I didn't see Akeem Hicks be the dominant force that we all know he is. And I don't know what it was today. What if it was just how the Lions game plan for Mac and Hicks, knowing that those two, well, those were the main guys you had to block. But those two didn't do enough. They really didn't. And obviously, he does get that one that one sack, and he is pumped up, and he should be. But we need to see those two be dominant because we know they are. They, we know that's in them. And really, I just didn't see that dog in this defense the entire game until that fourth quarter, really, where they started to apply a little bit more pressure. It just wasn't there. They were getting trucked. Like, look, Jalen Johnson had an up-and-down day, and we'll talk about it. But you, you see him getting trucked. You see these offensive guys laying the boom instead of the other way around and I don't like seeing that because I know this Bears defense has that dog in them can be a top five unit we just didn't see it consistently enough today yeah no when they're the ones getting ran over I hope Pagano puts that on a reel this week and just shows them that and it pisses them off because this is a defense that should be playing with that nasty mentality they should be bullying offenses and I'm sure other, you know, opposing offenses looking at this Bears defense and they see plays like that, that's going to get their hopes a little bit up too. And we don't need any of that. We need to shut it down in a hurry. And you said it too. It's the fact that, Nick, it took us 54 minutes to get our first sack this game. And with the Lions offensive line as beaten up as it was, uh, starting new people, not having to go up against anyone like a Kluimek or a key mix at practice, they looked okay out there. They looked pretty solid. And the Bears themselves looked a little slow, a little sluggish, and it's just we can't have that. This defense thrives, and it really does blossom when it has a pass rush. Without it, they're going to really be struggling. I, not, you, know, you can have the best secondary in the world, but if a quarterback has four or five seconds to throw that football, it's going to be very difficult for them to hold up their end of the bargain too. It's, it, they kinda, you need the pass rush for the secondary to play to the level that we expect them to play as well. Uh, Nick, speaking of the word slow and sluggish, that reminded me, unfortunately, of Danny Trevathan. Do you see that too? Absolutely, yeah. That just it seemed weird. I think there was one play where Stafford was like out running. It was like, what is going on here? Danny Trevathan, we know he's a good coverage linebacker, still has wheels, can move around, you know, fairly well, but he just looked a step slow on that DeAndre Swift drop touchdown, yeah, drop game behind. winning touchdown pass. Yeah, Danny Trevathan's just in the background looking with like headlights during the headlights like oh that's my guy well why aren't you in better position this is a rookie running back out playing you just out leveraging you and just getting into his position that he needs to be in just drops the game winning touchdown so yeah it was really i would i don't know if that's it is concerning but it's it's also surprising that dan yep. trevathan the leader of that bears defense someone who is so fundamentally sound and in, in everything that he does was just out of position, a step slow. TJ Hawkinson was working him too. So that was weird to see, and you're hoping that he can get everything right because, like I said, he runs – the defense kind of goes through him and Mack and Hicks, but he's the guy that puts everyone in position to make plays. If he's not in position himself, I think you lose a little bit of credibility, I would think. Yeah, you know, you're right. If you're like – you know, it's hard to tell people what to do if you can't do your own job. It's not really how – those things work but it all started off pretty good with Danny though and uh started the second quarter he had that really big stop on third and one when they're trying to rush up the middle and he got to the backfield got some really good penetration some push and made a really big time play there to stop the drive but Hawkinson was bullying him you talked about the one at the end with Swift where he was behind there was one where uh he was way behind Hawkinson they went right after him again 
and he was a few steps behind. And then later in the game, when they had that transition, it was between him and Jalen Johnson. And I know the announcers said that, oh, they were supposed to transition over to Jalen there, and Jalen was a little slow on it. I don't know if I buy that. Uh, just looking at the play, and we'll look at the All-22, and we'll see exactly what should have been happening there. But it looked like that was Trevathan's guy, and he was just like three, four steps behind, and Johnson was trying to help him out. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Danny Trevathan, he was a liability in coverage. We saw that a little bit last season, too, before he went down to injury, and I'm hoping that it's not going to become the status quo. Uh, just because I do remember it happening last year. Uh, you have a, you know, last year he played early, but then we had Kwiatkowski stepping in, uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis stepping in to do the injuries at the position. So you kind of forget it a little bit, but he did have some issues last year in coverage. And if it's going to become yet another liability, that can be that Achilles heel in the defense that we don't really want because that's right up the middle and that's someone that should be pretty good in coverage he's been that way throughout most of his career did you have the same feeling when it came to Buster screen as well that he was still a little bit too behind a little bit too laps in coverage because I had that a few times in my notes where like you know Buster's getting bullied out here and he's getting targeted and he's allowing some of these catches uh, so I thought he was someone too that was uh not really playing up to standard yeah, because I thought, you know, last season Buster Screen had a, you know, a pretty decent year at that nickel cornerback position, but there were too many times where he was beat in this one. And look, Danny Amendola, he's had Buster Screen, I would say for the most part in his Bears career against Amendola, he's had, you know, pretty good success. But in this one, five receptions, 81 yards, kept him out of the end zone. But still, you don't want to see that um, being the liability on this defense. I think if you look around it, maybe that is the weakness, but. Buster Screen played better than that last season. It didn't show up this game against Danny Amendola. Decent slot receiver, right? But, yeah, I had the same thing in my notes, Will, saying there's Buster Screen again. And you don't want to see that be the case because, look, the Bears play a lot of nickel. The the entire NFL plays a lot of nickel defense. He's going to be out there on the field. He has to be a little bit more competitive than that. Yeah, the third quarter was especially brutal. I know he on one of the very first drives that quarter for the Lions that he gave up two big first down passes, allowed them to really just steamroll in that A-play 72-yard drive to start. And then on top of that, the very next drive, he had that big pass interference penalty that allowed the Lions to get decently down the field. And luckily the Bears' defense did settle down, only held them to three there. But again, just some mistakes, miscues, and uh, some poor coverage there from Buster Screen here in this game. When we're looking elsewhere in this defense, obviously we talked about the lack of the pass rush, uh, Trevathan and Screen being liabilities in coverage. Let's look at Jalen Johnson here real quick because I thought for an NFL debut, we saw the ups, the downs. It was like a roller coaster ride for him today, but for the most part, I thought it was a very solid effort. And I don't think that's my a uh, little bit of my bias just because he's someone I've been high on all offseason. I thought he had a really good game uh, overall. Again, uh, getting trucked was probably a little embarrassing for him and. Uh, he'll work on making sure he understands that guys in the NFL aren't going to go down as easy as he did over in this Pac-12. But what was your thoughts on uh, Jalen Johnson's uh, rookie debut? You know what? Like you, I mean, obviously up and down, but whenever he had those down moments, there was a play like, there's Jalen Johnson almost getting that interception. There's Jalen Johnson in perfect coverage there. So that's what a corner's life is, Will. Like, you get beat sometimes, but it's about that next play mentality. We know Jalen Johnson's all about the next play. And that's why, like I said, it's up and down. But given that this is a Detroit Lions offense that likes to pass the ball, yes, they were up without Kenny Galladay, but you still have Marvin Jones, who's a pretty darn good receiver. He saw what Marvin Jones can do, and he's like one of the better ones. He trucked him, and he also had a good, nice contested catch on him. 
I think that in the end, this is going to make Jalen Johnson better, knowing that this is now the talent that you're going to face on a consistent basis, and you're going to see that guy down the road again. And there's a lot of capable receivers just in the NFC North alone. So I think, like you said, it was up and down, but I am encouraged what I saw from Jalen Johnson. There were no plays where he was beat deep or where he was just way off in coverage or maybe there was miscommunication between him and Trevathan. I still think Trevathan has to do a better job for the rookie corner, not the corner doing more for Dane Trevathan. So I liked what I saw. I'm encouraged to see um, what he can do for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm sad that he didn't get that interception to get my bold prediction true. So Kyle Fuller got his. Jalen Johnson almost had his. So that would have been awesome for week one. But I'm very encouraged. I'm just like you. I'm excited just to see what he can do. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, he said he was in really sound coverage. He had, so, especially like in downfield coverage on those deep passes, he wasn't giving um, really any windows for them to complete those balls, which is really exciting. And really, uh, on top of that, I know he had the, the one penalty they called him for defensive holding. Again, you're going to see that once in a while. And they never showed a replay of that one, so I'd be curious to watch that one back too because you never know. It could have been a real ticky-tacky call. Uh, you saw him get trucked, but right after that, just the very next play, they go after him again. Like, he's rocked a little bit. Not really, because he came up, and he almost came away with the interception on the the very following time they targeted him. So for me, uh, just like you, Nick, I thought it was a very decent effort out of Jalen Johnson, and for him to be someone who's uh, in his first NFL start at a position that is notoriously difficult to jump in right away and contribute as a rookie, uh, very encouraging signs here from number 33. Uh, and he was my X factor on defense, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he made it where it wasn't that big of a factor, which helped us out. There are some other guys like Trevathan and Screen, like we said, that ended up being those liabilities that we didn't really expect them to be that big of an issue come our preview show on Thursday. What else do you want to talk about on defense here, Nick? There's a lot here. And again, I think we're not as excited about this group as I thought we would be at the end of this game. Yeah, so I think just kind of looking over to, at the safeties there, Will, I don't know if it was an up-and-down day or if it was maybe a quiet day for, like, an Eddie Jackson. I know he came on a couple of safety blitzes, never really – he hit Stafford once. I think he met Stafford with Mac there as well. But I think it was a quiet day for him. But for Tashawn Gibson, who obviously won this safety starting battle there over Deion Bush, you would know – you would think as, like – as a veteran safety in this league, you know what maybe a guy like TJ Hawkinson would do. I know this is only his second year in the league, but he's a big body tight end. And I know he, Gibson, acknowledged that in his press conference, bringing up the tight end. But he just got boxed out like he wasn't even there. And it was an easy touchdown pass. And I think you just got to position yourself better. And look, I think watching the All-22 will give us a better understanding of how these safeties played. But I guess it was, right now I'm just going to say it was a down day. Because I didn't see maybe as much of an impact from that position from those two guys. But I know maybe once I go watch it, I'll see, okay, this is why the big plays maybe didn't happen for Detroit. Eddie Jackson's there or whatever it may be. I know he was roaming around for one of them almost near. He was in the vicinity of where the ball was thrown and almost had you know near pick. But other than that, there wasn't any, I guess, big plays from the safety position. I'm sure that will change as the season goes on. But for a guy like Gibson who maybe barely won this this competition, you better you know start playing to, I think, the caliber that he's used to because Deion Bush is a guy that you know is waiting to get his opportunity, like like I've been saying you know for a while now. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, looking at some of the other smaller players on this defense, James Vodders, he had that one really good play, uh, crashing in off the edge, getting a good tackle for a loss, which 
for me, one of my questions I, I put out there just on him is, can he be more than just a preseason standout? And I know that his role's probably going to diminish a little bit whenever uh, Robert Quinn can play football here in Chicago. Um, but for him to step up and a big play there and a big moment for this defense was exciting. Um, outside of that, uh, not too much else really for me, Nick, at least looking around my notes. I know Mingo, I thought he was a little bit more active and around the football than I anticipated. Anything on the other outside backers? I know Gibson was out there a ton, but uh, I don't think he had a ton of production when he was out there. And I know that someone else hoping he could make a splash as a rookie. I know those are pretty high standards to put out there for someone playing outside backer, but if there's any thoughts on the back of that rotation today? I know they didn't get a lot of pass rush, but is there any other glimmers of hope or glimpses of positivity that you want to mention? You know, to be completely honest, well, I didn't see anything that would make me excited. Like, okay, maybe we have somebody here. So we got to wait and see on that one. I think just quickly transitioning over into the interior part, mm-hmm. Roy Robertson Harrison and Bilal Nichols, like we mentioned it early on in the show, we really missed Eddie Goldman. So I want to go back and kind of see, like, the number of snaps they took and when those big runs happened and seeing if there's some kind of trend here where now these two guys have to kind of play more of that responsibility. They can't just go rush the passer every single time. They have to be run block guys too. And that's what primarily, as we all know, Eddie Goldman was so good at. So, And I, we know that Adrian Peterson had himself a day. So yeah. clearly there's something wrong with that run stop, the run defense there. And that could not just be Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, but the whole entire group. So it's going to be interesting to see how they cope and how life goes on without Eddie Goldman because if this is the first showing of it and if Adrian Peterson can get yards on you that doesn't you know give me i guess encouragement that the, this you know run defense is going to hold up against better offensive lines and better running backs in this league does it feel like the Lions rushed for a half yard less on average than the Bears today because it does not to me it feels like every time Peterson touched that football I mean he was full head of steam north and south and gaining a lot of positive yards but the only average as a team uh 4.8 yards per carry the Bears did still allow 138 rushing yards and I know for a defense that was one of the best in the NFL over the last two seasons at stopping the run 138 to the Lions that's you can't have that happen you can't yeah yeah you can't really uh, that's not a level of play that we can accept here in Chicago if we want to have the type of defense that we envision having, expect to have, and ideally a season that we all want to see unfold as well. I know it's only week one, and this is like first live contact, so both sides are going to be sloppy for both teams. Um, but still, to allow almost 140 yards on the ground to uh, Adrian Peterson, that's way on the wrong side of 30, but, I mean, kudos to him for still uh, being in that shape, and unfortunately he still knows how to kill the Bears. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, I just I need to see more from that defense, Will. I know the Bears won the game and when it counted they got the interception and made stops, but I need to see more because it just didn't feel like that it's been a while since I think it's felt like the twenty eighteen defense. Twenty nineteen had its moments, but mm-hmm. it just did not feel like the dominant defense that I'm I'm expecting it to be for this season. So there needs to be I don't know, guys just flying around more. There needs to be more turnover, I guess, turnover-worthy plays. There weren't even those where Max close or someone's, like, fumbling and making, you know, the ball carrier fumble. And none of that happened. It was one pass that got deflected, and the Bears capitalized on it. They just need to create more of those opportunities for themselves, and then we'll see that 2018 Bears defense kind of emerge. But we need to see that dog in that in this defense, and 
Hopefully it comes out here in week two. Yeah, they had a hard time, too, when it came to like that lead blocker for Detroit, whether they're using a fullback or just a tight end, just actually getting off that block, and they're able to set the edge and get around it. And I think that does have a bit of like the Robert Quinn being gone, not really helping when you have a Vodders out there or Mingo out there. You're not going to have the same presence as someone who is trying to establish and set the edge there on defense. Uh, outside of that, Nick, I don't know. I think I'm about out of defensive talking points on my side. How about you? What else can we talk about? You know, I guess one other thing, like I know I was pretty critical of Khalil Mack. He was being like held a bunch of times where I thought, mm-hmm. where's the flag at? But it's still Khalil Mack. You know you're going to be held. You know you're going to be double, triple teamed. And I just, we all expect more. Is, I mean, I think that's something that can be said of every Bears fans when they hear Khalil Mack and they'll look at the stat sheet saying, what did Mack do? How many sacks did he have? Well, you know, even how many forced fumbles did he have this game? You're not going to see any. So I think for Khalil Mack, the standard that he kind of set upon himself this offseason, like he's going to take it to a whole new level, this whole mindset, working out on a Peloton during the Zoom conference call, Khalil Mack said he was ready. We need to see it now. Yeah, we absolutely do need to see that next week. Not now. It's over this week. We'll get back to it in a week. But, Nick, before we move on to the fourth quarter, um, I know that you had a uh, backbreaker, which was Jalen Johnson against the re- receivers for the Lions. I know Kenny Galladay not playing helped, um, and I know we've already talked about Jalen Johnson. Do you think he held up his end of the bargain here, though, at least in terms of how you're looking at that backbreaking matchup? Yeah, not to like go completely repeat what we said, but look, it was an up-and-down day, but I'm still encouraged with what Jalen Johnson was able to do. Yes, not having Kenny Galladay is going to make your job a lot easier, of course, but he still was in in the vicinity of making plays. He almost had a near interception in his first career game. He knows now that he has to get lower than some of these wide receivers or he's going to get trucked, but he also knows exactly where to be, how to play certain, you know, certain, I guess, route concepts, and that's what we need to see from Jalen Johnson in his first career start. We we, we were saying all offseason, like the, the Bears defense ideally – would want Jalen Johnson playing and just seeing what he's able to do, some of the mistakes he made and how he can improve upon that. I'm encouraged to see what he can do, but yeah, he, he wasn't the backbreaker where the Lions were able to take advantage of him. He held up his own and I'm ready to see what he can do in week two. Yeah. Same here. Absolutely here, Nick. Let's move on here to the fourth quarter show. Let's start with our quick hit on special teams. And I think since we talked about, you know, kicker being the, biggest issue or concern heading into this game I'm glad that we were in the dome and things were pretty chill in there and it seemed like every kick from both kickers like right down the middle so non-factor today was the Bears kicking situation uh, how do you feel about that because I felt pretty relieved yeah it was it was nice seeing the ball like you said it was, they were pretty good kicks from Cairo Santos and going right up through the uprights that's exactly what we wanted to see with Eddie Pinheiro on IR, but yeah, that wasn't a factor, and I'm glad we're not we're not making more of this. We're you know he two for two on his field goal percentage and long of 35, so it wasn't a crazy long kick or anything like that. But he made it, and that should be what it is for Cairo Santos. Now, if we talk about the kick coverage, well, there was I don't know what it is about sometimes these Bears special teams that always start to emerge, you know, starting week one, but. I just thought there was way too many times where the Lions were getting some, not big returns, but just decent ones. Like, where's, well, who's going to be the guy that makes this tackle? So I thought there was just too many times where that happened throughout the game. Yeah, 
It, it was. I mean, it, we had that one, I think it was like, what, a shoestring tackle from DHC uh, that saved that touchdown. And, yeah, that one uh, that one was an issue. And then Tariq Cohen, speaking of issues, uh, he needs to learn when to take a fair catch uh, or maybe when not to. It seems like, what, he had the guy early on that was, like, standing right in front of him in the very first punch of the game. Didn't call the fair catch, got smacked, and we're lucky he didn't fumble that football and turning into points because that could have been perhaps even the monster moment of the game. It could have been a turning point early to really put momentum against the Bears. Uh, outside of that, uh, looking at special teams, I think the only other note uh, I had would be, if I get all the way back to the right tab here, was uh, that other good run from Patterson, too. Uh, he had another good one. Uh, James Vodder's got in his way, though, which I was like, <laughs> you know, old man shakes fist at cloud because I can't change it. But I was a little like, I was like, get out of his way or move forward. If you get one more block, we could have got 10, 15 more yards on that one. But I'll still take another. I mean, it doesn't take long for Patterson to make his impact felt as a kick returner, which it's nice to see that hasn't changed here in 2020. Anything else on special teams? No, I think that was it. Look, when we don't have to talk about special teams too much, that's usually a good thing. So we'll leave it at that and move on to the next segment. Sweet. Well, before we do, real quick, for everyone who is watching uh, live here on YouTube, if you have a question that you want Nick and I to answer a Bears question here on the show, we're going to open it up for fan questions here in just a few minutes. So definitely throw them in. We'll be keeping an eye on the chat. We'll jot down a few questions that we'll have some time to answer here. So definitely do that. But, Nick, while we're waiting, it's time to call an audible. And now we've discussed this game totally in full. Is there anything that you wish happened differently or anything that you wish we could have changed I feel like it has to be that drive right before the half end. I wish we would have just ran it up the gut a couple times. Maybe you spring one, and then you can try to get some points after the fact. But I wish they just would have gave it to Monty and uh, see what happened there and just kind of close out the half. Yeah, you know, it's the first game back. You didn't have a preseason. Relax. Go ahead and score at halftime 6-6, six to six, and we'll see what happens here in the third quarter. That's what I would change just because I think it would make my heart rate be a little bit less here in that fourth quarter heck the third quarter from some anger as well but how about you is there anything that you would change specifically I mean I can say the whole you know the first three quarters but I'll make it more specific here you know I wish um, the Bears would have targeted Anthony Miller a little bit more in this game especially early on because we saw how successful he was right at the end there right so I think if he had been targeted a little bit more taking advantage of Coleman who I think did eventually leave the game right Maybe the Bears' offense would have had a little bit more success. We know what kind of playmaker Anthony Miller is. We know what he did last time he played Detroit Lions. I believe it was nine receptions for 140 yards. So maybe if you target him a little bit more, I know at one point, I think it was through the second or third quarter. Actually, it was with seven minutes still left in the third quarter. Cole Komet had one target. Anthony Miller had two. So it's like, let's get these guys involved, but staying specifically to Anthony Miller, he needs to, I think... Look, he's usually had slow starts to seasons, and it's nice that he already has his first touchdown of 2020, but I want to see him consistently targeted throughout a game. Not late in the fourth quarter. It's nice. Help the Bears win, but throughout a game, that's going to be good for this Bears offense. Yeah, nope, you're right. That's a really good one as well, and those are a few things that you know we would have changed. Nick, real quick, how's your uh, Audible experience going? And you want to let people know how they can join your journey, experience the same benefits that you are with Audible as well? Yeah, so I, still, the journey is going, Will. That's that's the thing with Audible. I haven't um, found my audio, my next audio book, but for those of you who have not used Audible, don't know what it is, basically it's a service where you can find podcasts, audio books, um, where you can listen to A-list comedies, 
anything of that nature and you could do it all at the convenience of you know just maybe going on a car ride going to work going to the grocery store to the gym while you're working out so basically audible is the perfect service for all of us right now that are super busy doing with whatever we're doing in our lives and i want to share with you how you can make that happen to where you can use this service um if you go to chicagoaudible.com slash amazon and if you do that and you already have an amazon account you don't just get one free audiobook you'll get a second one free if you have an amazon prime account everybody does so that's two free audiobooks you can download a a-list comedy a whatever it may be you can do that by going to chicagoaudible.com slash amazon i guarantee you will enjoy whatever it is that you download i highly recommend just any one of their premium audiobooks that you can only find on audible so definitely check it out and will i'm sure you still have to check it out too because i know i know you wait until after my football season ends i'll have a little bit more time opening up and then i'll jam out to some audiobooks and we can discuss that a little bit further just a few weeks left of that and with between that season and this season buddy it's it definitely is a lot going on but all right uh nick it's time to finally determine who was our most valuable chicago bear so our mvb our first one of the 2020 season are you gonna heads tails defer kickoff what do you want to do I'm going to defer this one, Will, because I still have – you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm like, oh, thank God we're not doing this right now because I really don't have one. And at this moment that I'm talking, I still don't have one. So I'm deferring, giving it to you. I want to see what direction you go with this, and then hopefully I'll have an answer. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami. Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in Central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, that's fair enough. So for me, Nick, I was torn, but after discussing the game, thinking about it a little bit further, I'm going to go with Anthony Miller, and it's not just his touchdown pass. And I know you want him involved a little bit earlier in the game, but looking at the first crucial touchdown drive that the Bears had uh, late in the uh, late in the third, early in the fourth quarter, he had that big third down conversion. I believe that's actually the first Bears third down conversion of the entire game when he had the 18-yard catch of third and 10, came down with that one. And then on top of that, the very next drive for the Chicago Bears, well, not the next one, the one that ended up in 4th and 41. We're never talking about that drive again. But the following scoring drive, he had two catches back-to-back, one for 18, one for uh, 13 yards as well. So he's moving the sticks, getting the Bears closer. He got them all the way from our own territory, and then within two plays, got us all the way down to the Detroit 30. Then after that, of course, a couple plays later, you get that one to Jimmy Graham. Then Javon Wims follows it up. But none of that's possible if you don't get those big strikes to Anthony Miller. And then the icing on the cake is going to be that 27-yard touchdown reception. A beautiful catch right there at the goal line, right at the pylon. Anthony Miller coming down clutch. Really good ball from Trubisky. But again, Miller coming down with that one. Don't forget the other catches I mentioned earlier, that one one-handed that he was able to haul it in, corral it right before he went out of bounds was another clutch catch on his end, really when we needed it. Uh, so for me, Anthony Miller, just how he stepped up in a big way and how he became Mitch's 
go-to guy down the stretch uh, instead of an Allen Robinson who was getting a little bit more focus from the Detroit Lions secondary. For me, seeing Miller step up in a big way so soon in the season, because like you said, usually historically it takes some while to get warmed up, really promising stuff there. So for me, I'm going to give it to Anthony Miller. I thought he stepped up big when we needed him to, and he is someone that we need a bigger role out of this year, and this is a great way to you know, start his season. So Anthony Miller going to give you my first MVP of the 2020 year. Which way are you going to go, Nick? Yeah, someone else that did step up when the Bears needed him most was Kyle Fuller. So I'm going to give him my MVP. You look what Marvin Jones did or really didn't do. Four receptions, what, 55 yards, kept him out of the end zone. He was going to be their big play target all game, with, especially with Kenny Galladay out. Didn't have a lot of big plays for Marvin Jones this game. Kyle Fuller's a big reason why. And when that intercept and that interception happens, it gave the Bears life because two plays later after that interception happens and the Bears take over on offense at the Detroit Lions 30-yard line, two plays later the Bears score with Anthony Miller's touchdown, your MVP. But it all happens because Kyle Fuller is able to capitalize on his teammate Eddie Jackson, you know, dislodging or really batting the football in the air and capitalizing on turnovers like we know he's capable of doing and just having good coverage throughout the game. That's a Kyle Fuller we know. And that's a Kyle Fuller that we need for this Bears defense. And just him being in the right position, right time, like we all know he's done in the past, that's why the Bears were in a position to win this football game. I'm glad you went Anthony Miller because I probably would have gone that direction. But we got to give Kyle Fuller some love, and I think he's deserving of this MVP as well. There you go. I like it. One offense, one defense, two well-deserving Bears for the MVP choice here. I did see in the chat a few people said that Swift should be the MVP, though, Nick. <laughs> I did I did see that, too. It, he is deserving. I mean, without that, the Bears probably lose. Oh, they definitely do. <laughs> there's, it, it, there's no questioning that one whatsoever. All right, so let's go ahead and get into some fan questions. Nick, everyone that I saw came in all circled around one Bears player, and that is Mitchell Trubisky and to summarize it, I'll give it to Will Miller. I think it's the first one that I saw, and pretty much everyone other's question is about the same. This one, know how how long or how tight is the leash now on Mitchell? Uh, just you know, with the up and down game, he did have the fourth quarter comeback, but did have a very rough start to this game. Would you shorten his leash at all compared to what it already perhaps was? I don't know if I shorten it. I think it's already short enough as is. So look, if this fourth quarter doesn't happen, I wonder if they're even having discussions right now. Like, after this game, let's say the Bears lose where, hey, I think we have a better chance with Nick Foles. So it's going to be interesting because he saved himself. He really saved himself with this fourth quarter, just capitalizing on the 30-yard line, like I was just saying, two plays later with an Anthony Miller touchdown. A, A perfect pass. Let's be completely honest. A perfect pass from Mitch. We need to see what happens in week two. And these these next three weeks are crucial for Mitchell Trubisky maintaining the starting job for the 2020 NFL season. Because come week five, you have Tampa Bay and a tough team with Tom Brady, obviously. And I wonder where the Bears are at, given record-wise and quarterback play more specifically. Is that the time to change before a Thursday night game against the Bucks? But, yeah, these next three games against bad defenses, Will, are huge for Mitchell Trubisky. Because if he doesn't capitalize and do well throughout the entirety of a game, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on to Nick Foles and say, hey, obviously you've done this before, you've come in relief, you save seasons, save our season, save our quarterback play, because if Mitch isn't improving, showing that actually downfield or just making the right reads, what's the point? You gave the guy a chance. That's what you should have done, and they did. 
Now, if he's not doing anything with that chance, you got to do what's right for the football team and not just for a specific player. Yeah, no, good stuff there. I mean, I wouldn't change anything now. He won you the football game. Again, as rough as it was early on, the Bears did find a way to end up on top, and you'll see that around the league. Uh, quarterbacks all the time, they have a rough first half, and they get down, and if they can find a way to come back, you know, they're the hero. So, again, I know we – always going to be a little bit more skeptical of Mitch. And I think that's deserving as well, just because of everything that we've seen out of him over the years. But I don't think this would change the Bears approach to next week. Now, if he would have finished the game like he started, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but I don't think he's in a, any better graces than he was to start this game. I think he's right back where he started and we'll have to see what he can do next week. But I wouldn't change really the approach. At least I don't think the Bears would as well. I did see a question came from Kenny uh, over on Periscope. Nick, do you think the Bears would have won this game if Nick Foles is playing? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, Man, the pass rush was there for the Lions, and we know that Mitchell Trubisky can avoid some pressure better than Nick Foles, even though there's plays where it didn't seem like it. I, I, couldn't, I can't say. I, I really don't know because, look, if Nick Foles was worse than Trubisky in training camp, then can't would he be a better option he was hitting some check down like Nick Foles was hitting check down like there was there were times in the game well Mitch couldn't even hit a freaking check down where his running backs in stride you're just like god what is going on here so I I I can't give you the best answer because I really don't know I just don't know what look I just said maybe Nick Foles helps the season but I really don't even know what he brings and like how he's actually going to look in this offense but that's just from his past history so to, to answer your question, I just don't know. Yeah, that's uh, almost an impossible question, right? Like, you don't, like, you don't, it's, we don't have any way to extrapolate, like, any information. We haven't seen Foles in his offense. I don't think that he's going to help the defense stick into this game uh, like they did. I don't think he's going to change that drive uh, when he handed it off. Well, actually, he didn't hand it off, but he tried passing it short a few different times and pushing it. So, I don't know. I don't, who knows if Foles would have been able to hang in there and make some of these clutch throws at the end. We've seen it, though. So maybe, but I, I say Mitch won us the game, so you really don't know. That's a great question, though. I wish we had a time machine. You can just flat, flip-flop quarterbacks, figure it out. But uh, I saw another one here from uh, Jay French here on YouTube. Uh, we kind of hit on it, but we can put it a little bit more explicit terms. How badly was Robert Quinn needed today? Because we talked about it. No pass rush. Uh, they had a hard time setting the edge when it came to some of these rushing attacks, too, from the Lions. So I would say very badly. I think if you would have had a healthy Robert Quinn out there, this whole defense probably would have played with a bigger chip on their shoulder, getting after the quarterback a little bit more consistently. And when you just do those two things, and Robert Quinn's also pretty good at stopping the run, by the way. But if you can just do bring that a little bit extra, and he's a much better than a Vodders and a, a Mingo. That's why he was the home run hit, or supposed to be the home run hit, of this offseason, at least for this Bears defense. I think you would have saw perhaps an entirely different motivated type of unit out there compared to what we saw. So I would say very badly. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Because we saw that Mac and Hicks weren't winning those one-on-one matchups like we anticipated. So maybe you're hoping Robert Quinn will just more. He's going to be in more one-on-one opportunities. You would think with Cleo Mac just being on the field at the same time. So you look, if, if Mac is stopped, Hicks is stopped, Bilal Nichols is stopped, well, there's still another guy that you have to worry about. And, man, if you can get all five of those – or yeah, all those guys blocked on one given play, that's pretty That's pretty good for your offensive line. But, yeah, I think they definitely needed him. And we still got to see what is really up with Robert Quinn. We know it's yep. an ankle, but 
when did this happen how did this happen how long is it going to keep him out when will he be back like there are a lot of questions with Robert Quinn and we need to see him on the field to really see what this Bears defense can be like we were saying earlier there's a lot more that we expect from this Bears defense in 2020 for sure now if you're listening to the podcast and you're feeling a little left out because maybe you went and asked us a question well we are opening up our audio mailbag yet again it's been some time so this is where you can call us leave us your Bears question via a voicemail and Nick and I will take some time to answer those on our podcast this week so if you want to leave us a voicemail just give us a call at 872-240-4007 that phone number again just one more time is 872-240-4007 give us a call leave us your Bears question in a voicemail and Nick and I will play it on our next episode air it out for you that way uh, we can answer your questions you get your voice heard on the show as well and it's just a lot of fun and Nick I needed to test you would if I would have put you on a spot would you remember that phone number I think I would have because as soon as you started saying like 4007 in my head so I think I remember I used to have it I read like redid my entire room where I had the number up there but there was a point in time where I'm like I know the number like come on now but I yeah if you would have put me on the spot I would have remembered it but I'm glad you didn't because I got the four last number so there I actually have it as a contact in my phone which is another great way maybe if you want to call in throughout this entire season to just add the Chicago Audibles when you're contacting your phone and just after every game just give us a call leave us your question and then that way it's already squared away taken care of and you don't have to worry about remembering a number two. I had to look this one up myself before the before the game started this afternoon, Nick. So that's why I was asking you. Kudos for uh, thinking, at least. And who knows, maybe you could have gotten it as well. But, Nick, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up. Real quickly, just a quick letter grade of this game. Ooh, man, this is a tough one. Um, you know, look, a C is still passing. It's still average. I'll give it like a C plus. Because, look, there's still much to be seen for this Bears defense. They're a way better unit than what they played like today. For three quarters, the Bears offense was non-existent. But there was a fourth quarter of hope of what you hope this Bears team can really be. Causing turnovers, capitalizing on those turnovers, scoring touchdowns. But it was bad football. And even on special teams, we highlighted some things where you're like, you're scratching your head. They're still happening. So, yeah, C+. They still got the win. They beat a... Detroit Lions team that just folded upon themselves, but a lot of things need to get fixed before their week two matchup against the Giants. I'm going to go B minus. I was on the fringe just because I still look at the first half of this game, heck, maybe the entire game, as a preseason game just because you're not playing against anyone else. And I know every team's in the same boat, but I wasn't expecting perfection. I wasn't expecting it to be a seamless game. I, I knew there's going to be mistakes. The question was can the Bears overcome? those mistakes and still find a way to win now even though the margin got way more skew than i thought it would they did that they found a way to come back crawl back fight back and even though things weren't going exactly how we thought they would on defense and the offense maybe struggled a little bit more on third down than we envisioned they still found a way to put it all together when it mattered most so i'll give it a little bit more of a friendlier grade of that b minus uh, looking at our twitter poll 49.8% of Bears fans so far have given it a C, where 28.3% uh, gave it a B, 9.5% at an A, 12.3% though actually gave it a D. I, I mean, I understand being a little bit harsh, but I will take an ugly win over a bad loss each and every week. A win is hard to come by in the NFL. A win against an NFL opponent down by 17 entering the fourth quarter is hard enough to come back as it is. 
So I'm proud of this team and their effort uh, at the end of the day. But, Nick, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Any final thoughts before we uh, call this a postgame show? It's been it's been a lot of fun. My adrenaline has calmed down uh, since when we first started. But, man, still an incredible way to kick off this 2020 Chicago Bears season. Yeah, it really kept us on the edge of our seats there. And, you know, right up to the very end, like you were just saying, Will. But, look, it's hard to beat a team, what, I think it's five consecutive times for Matt Nagy now against the Detroit Lions. He's undefeated, and this is on the road on in unprecedented times with COVID, and you're down in the fourth quarter. But the Bears found a way to win, and hopefully they can build upon that. Quarterback, especially with Mitchell Trubisky, and who I think will, it shouldn't be a surprise, he will be the start of week two. There's no way they're going to make a change as of right now. So let's see if he can build off that, because that's going to be key for this season. If he can't, if he's still making the same mistakes, then we're going to be in a bad spot. Hopefully Robert Quinn comes back at some point. This Bears defense can be at its full potential, because we we still, like I've been saying throughout this podcast, there's a lot left to be seen from this this pass rush, this defense in general. We need to see that dog in that defense, and if that can come out with better, consi- better and consistent offensive play, this team can compete. With without those things, though, they are just a a team that's maybe riding around 500, maybe even less than that. But they need to just click on all sides of the football. You have a Giants team that's still trying to figure things out. I think. And it's not going to be a cakewalk. Look, you saw what Detroit just presented to the Bears. It took every single minute to beat them. And it took a drop pass from DeAndre Swift. Thank you, DeAndre Swift. But the Bears I are 1-0. We haven't said that since, what, Will, 2013, I believe? Yep. So it's been a long time. Feel happy. Um, we don't see – look, we haven't seen many Bears victories over the years. But we'll take this, like you said, Will – um, just an ugly win over a bad loss any day. And let's see if the Bears can improve upon with, with like I said, week two against the Giants. Nick, they scored nine times as many points week one this year than they did last year. That's part of the problem. <laughs> so it's like we need to make, we just, they just need to become a better offensive football team. And they, and they beat a team that scored over 20 points. This is true. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's positives in it. Just, just got to get it all, you know, consistently better, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, I, I bet you, Nick, after the end of week one, 32 out of 32 teams, okay, maybe 31. Kansas City looked pretty sharp. But they're going to want more consistency from their guys, from their scheme, and just getting it out of them. I think the Bears are not going to be alone in that regard. Now, obviously, as Bears fans, we're going to take every mistake and we're going to scrutinize it and where it's going to really – you know, stick with us compared to maybe some of the other teams that we don't care that much about. But like you said, hey, and like I mentioned, a win's a win. I am going to take this win each and every time. We haven't not, I've never, and I talked about this in the last podcast, I've never talked about a 1-0 Chicago Bears team. And now I get a whole week to do it. This is the first time as a post-game show I got to do it. We have all week to, you know, just kind of throw in once in a while. Hey, 1-0 Bears, I can just jab it in. Uh, just because I've always been on the opposite end of the spectrum. I started this podcast in 2015, uh, just took a couple of years even before Mark Tressman's debut, which is very sad. Uh, It was the last time that the Bears (laughs) won a season opener. So I'm taking it. Uh, I'm not going full-on, drinking the Kool-Aid. We're heading to the Super Bowl. We're going to the playoffs, but I feel good. I I mean, we won. We shouldn't have won, uh, or maybe we should have because they found a way to come back. It's really just about perspective, but... At the end of the day, they found a way to overcome mistakes, tighten down the ship when the storm, they weathered it, 
and they found a way to win. And when you can do those things, if you can just find a way to do that, no matter who you're playing each week, and keep your head up high, hang in there, not give up, which there were times early on in the third quarter, I thought maybe they were just going to just, you know, throw in the towel, pack it in, and go back to Chicago and call it a call it a week. They didn't do that. They found a way to stick in there. So with that, I'm proud of this team, and I'm, I'm excited to see where we can go. But uh, if you don't have anything else, Nick, I will definitely start signing off. Yeah, signing off with a victory. First one, like you said, well, 2013. We haven't been able to do that, and that's really cool that we can start this 2020 NFL season with that. Absolutely, my brother. Now let's go ahead and call it an episode. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in live. I know there is a bunch of people here. Of course, anytime you have the first post-game show of the season, you're going to get a lot of new people into the chat. So if you're new to the show, just want to say, hey, thanks for stopping by. Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel that way you get notifications when we go live we have a lot of bears content coming your way all season long each and every week we'll preview the show uh getting you a preview the show preview the upcoming opponent upcoming game and then of course with these weekly chicago bears breakdowns that happen immediately after the final whistle as you can tell adrenaline sometimes pumps up just a little bit too high but again the chicago bears win final score is 27 to 23 they found a way to come back and beat the detroit lions with 21 unanswered points there in the fourth quarter that's the chicago bears and that's how they're starting 2020 we'll be back in a few days here as we're going to start meeting the new york giants hopefully we get enough questions from you and this is on you give us your questions so we can do another audio mailbag so you can get your voice heard in the show and of course nick and i can answer your amazing chicago bears questions Uh, but until next time enjoy your first victory monday of 2020 and of course bear down chicago How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.